Those hands were once used for battle. Now they're but humble tools for peace. I need to figure out exactly who I am. Your beard's gone. Yeah, I shave it. Well, yeah, I mean, I figure that's how it happened. It's a, it's a romantic movie. It's not blood and thunder. It's romantic. Okay. It's the most. It's it's the most romantic movie that he has ever made as a director. I said that's tricky. I had something I was going to say, but it vanished in Jason's wonderful story. I was just so captivated. Thor: Love and Thunder. How did you get that wrong, Anya? How did you get that wrong? Also, how did you get the time for the meeting wrong? And it's such an emergency that we've now spent a half an hour actually beginning the uh, beginning the podcast. Fourth, the three champions. I appreciate those words you said. Right. Yeah, well, and, and it'll be a monument to yet another moment in time where I was ahead of the pop culture curve. <laughs> yes, future generations will listen to it and say, God, he was right after all. Hello, and welcome to Max and Jason and Anya watching a movie. I'm Max. And I'm Jason. I'm Anya. And tonight I have called the famous Audible, and we're going to have an emergency podcast because there's a trailer just dropped this week. Thor, bl- blood and th- lovely blood. No, thunder and lightning. What's the title, guys? Love and Thunder. Thor, Love and Thunder. It is the first Marvel character to get four films in a in a row, or not in a row, but in, it, he's the first character to get four films. Yeah, yeah. The- I, hadn't, I hadn't made that connection. Oh well, they haven't been numbering them, and that's been really helpful, I think, in in making us forget that. But Sidebar, Thor made his first appearance in Marvel Comics in issue 83 of Journey into Mystery. The year was 1962 and the month was August. He was created by Stan Lee, Larry Lieber, and Jack Kirby. That that title would go on to become the main Thor monthly title. And the character Thor has been in continuous publication at Marvel since that long ago summer. He's been one of the most popular and most well-performing characters in Marvel's long and storied history. So endeth the sidebar. The cast is Karen Gillian as Nebula, Taika Watiti as Korg, Christian Bale as Gore the God Butcher, Natalie Portman as Jane Foster, Bradley Cooper as Rocket, Matt Damon, Matt Damon, Matt Damon, Matt Damon as actor Loki, Chris Pratt as Peter Quill, Vin Diesel as Groot, Chris Hemsworth as Thor, Russell Crowe as Zeus, Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie, Melissa McCarthy as actor Hella, Sam Neill as actor Odin, Dave Bautista as Drax, Palm Clementif as Mantis, Jamie Alexander as Sif, Luke Hemsworth as actor Thor, and Sean Gunn as Kraglin. Directed by Taika Waititi, writers Stan Lee from Beyond the Grave, Jennifer Caton Robinson and Taika Waititi. Excelsior. I think I did that pretty well, guys. First impressions of the trailer. Anya, since you told me that the trailer dropped this week and Jason didn't tell me first, I'll let you go first on trailer reactions. What did you think of this epic and amazing trailer? Oh, we know what you thought now. I saw this uh, tweet that cracked me up. It was like, Thor's got four whole movies and still doesn't know who he is yet. Just <laughs> Who wrote that tweet? I don't know. It was just a, I don't keep track of these things. No, no, I don't either. No. I don't know. I. It seems like a really nice, uplifting movie. I'm really excited. And also, um, someone I was talking to tonight was like, I, I hate um, Guns N' Roses, but all of a sudden I don't anymore after watching this trailer. Thor sort of has the Midas touch. Jason, mm-hmm. what, what's, what's your, what was your reaction to Lovely Bloody Thunder? Well, I, I, um, just to kind of talk about the aesthetics of the trailer, uh, and actually I was going to touch upon that, I think that the the use of the Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses, number one hit, by the way, uh, from that time period, our freshman year in high school, Max. Yes, yes, yes. That year. 
was a great effect and and kind of the trailer in that way ties this movie into the previous film which which used led zeppelin famously in the yes. max right and um this is a fairly brief trailer it's less than two minutes because i you know when i watched it again i looked at the, so it, it it doesn't give us a lot it just gives us a few snapshots and maybe we can talk about where we think it's going to go what the structure is going to be like it does give us a lot to chew on and i think it gives us a great idea of what the, the, the feel the general feel of the film is going to be and i think it's going to be probably going to be a lot like thor ragnarok now i actually did some homework and i read that um apparently it's going to take even more risks than thor ragnarok did okay it, it is intended to be a, a romantic film. Yep. I, I think that's interesting, Anya, what you said about, you know, four films and he doesn't know who he is yet. But I think that the last film, and then and then the Avengers films that followed it, but the last film was definitely a, a, a pull the rug out from under Thor in such a way that I think that that is still going to make sense. Because actually, when I watched the trailer for the first time, I did ask myself, do I want more of that? But but then I, but then thinking about it, watching it again, I that's still where he would be because Thor, and not just for Thor. And this is something to kind of kind of chew on for all of us. The MCU has changed dramatically in just a couple of films, and Thor, interestingly, is kind of the only one left who uh, was from that first wave of films in, in terms of being a major character. For him to feel kind of directionless, you know, uh, kind of without a compass, he might be, I mean, that might be how we feel at this point. So he, you know, having his character have continue with that arc of self-discovery might serve two purposes. It might serve the purpose of continuing him trying to make sense of the post-Asgard period, but also the the post-Infinity epic. Well, post-Asgard, I think that that's an interesting thing that you say because it's not, I mean, it is post cosmic asgard but then there's new asgard i mean thor i mean i i i, I like this uh idea that thor is still sort of not completed person i guess you would say because i think that you would sort of be on your back foot after all that he's gone through i think i knew you got your hand up yeah <laughs> I was just gonna say, all of his friends are dead. Yeah. All of his, all of his Asgardian homies and almost all of his Earth homies have bit the dust. Yes, I, I, I totally understand why Thor's a little adrift right now. His brother, his dad, his mom, probably some cousins. Well, and and though um, intellectually, I mean. Even though he's kind of come to terms with, you know, the legacy of Asgard and he established something new, it still needs to be pointed out that Thor still is dealing with the fact that everything that he believed for thousands of years about Asgard, you know, turned out to be not complete, not the whole truth. And I think that a lot of that makes sense. And I think that it can serve a dual role for us uh, because the MCU necessarily has to shift gears. But Thor is kind of that that North Star, so to speak, that is still there and is still someone that we can kind of um, turn around. Well, I, I think so. I think so. He certainly is one of the characters that bridge the gap between the first phases and the, and the newer phases. Did Did you say Natalie Portman was in this one? Was she in the cast list? Yes, oh, yeah. She's in the cast list. She's in the trailer. Did you not see her? Didn't do a very good job of reading the uh, cast list because you did a fucking great job. I'm, I'm muting that out. I, Jason's getting a lot of his content. Uh, I'll I'll say it again. He didn't do a very good job reading the cast. <laughs> Welcome to Max watches a movie. No, I was like, I know that J that she's supposed to be playing Jane Foster, but that just does not look like Natalie Portman. Well, she's been working out as much as anybody has. I mean, she really, are those really her arms? Those are really her arms. Yeah. No, he, were you there? He, no, he he's right. She she has been working out and bulking up. She is. She has said that. Yeah, I, I um did some reading about because uh, I mean now all that information starting to come out in terms of. You know what the film's going to be kind of feel like, and uh, I also read that um, James Gunn, right, the director of the Guardian films, yeah. was given the script so that he could, you know, write some notes down in terms of where the Guardians should end up for part three, 
so you know there, there's been a lot of collaboration and and uh, they've been working very hard to kind of you know it, it, it's almost it's almost like Jim Shooter is yeah. watching over them and keeping everybody on task yeah yeah so like so it doesn't become a nightmare like over at the distinguished competition of Marvel yeah. anyway there's some people there are a couple of people who are listening who might get what I just did there so Jason uh, before we move on I remember so uh, about I think five years years ago we had this amazing arc in the thor comics of jane uh, of this mysterious woman who had the the hammer and we didn't know who it was for a long time and it gets revealed that it's jane foster and that's the that's the costume that they're using that's the design and i, I we're probably going to draw from that storyline in the new films and i'll, I'll touch on a little bit of what's going to happen in the film and you guys can of course fill in too because you guys have all done a lot of research as well but what i want to point out audience we have one of the premier scholars of of Marvel Comics Thor with us tonight. And I consider myself something of a, a Thor scholar, but I hold no candle to Jason, who has been carrying a candle himself for Thor since, gosh, the 80s, I think. The 1880s. But, uh, but... This is not the first time, is it, that Jane Foster has hefted the mighty Mjolnir? Well, uh, there was. Uh, and of course, we just recently had the, the what if cartoon series, there was an issue of What If, um, one of the very early ones, in which that was called What If Jane Foster Had Found the, the Hammer of Thor, is what ends up happening. Because in the comic, Donald Blake is this lame physician. This is not the way the films uh, break down, but he's he goes on vacation in Norway. There's an alien invasion. Uh, and of course, the aliens look suspiciously like uh, Kor, right? They come after him because there's a witness. He goes into a cave. He finds a walking stick. He tries to use it as a lever to move a boulder out of the way. When it doesn't work, he frustrated in a bit of frustration, strikes it against the rock and becomes Thor. Well, in the what if issue, Jane Foster accompanies him on vacation and she's the one that finds the staff and strikes it against the rock and she becomes Thor Dis. But looks a lot like what we see in the trailer. Yeah, um, I think that the the gang who wrote that were also in this. this uh, I, uh, folks, I, I have to say there were some dumb gatekeeping nerds who were really upset about a woman Thor. But it's one of the better written. Uh, it's one of the better written Thor arcs in what I think has been a decade of great Thor writing recently. But but they were kind of hearkening back to that design as well. Of course, yeah. Mark yeah. updated a bit. And they made they made Thor, and just called her Thor. They made her much more muscular uh, in the comic, in this in this yeah. in this iteration, in this uh interpretation, which I quite liked because I you know I think if you're gonna be like one of these fighter types, uh, most of them are gonna look like like they work out a lot. Very few of them are gonna look like Volkstag, but and, 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 and and, and, and in the what if issue, she had very slender arms. She still had, still had the, the 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 workout wristbands that Thor had in those times. But yeah. I mean, the, the the costume looked very similar to what Thor wore at the time. Yeah, uh, but she was very slender. She didn't look like she had any yeah. condition at all. But that was that time. I, I can't remember what year that came out. It was, it was a good issue though. Yeah. Now, did you notice in the trailer uh, an, uh, a couple of nods to those classic costume lines in, in what I'm con calling the Forrest Gump sequence of the trailer where we see Thor running as a young kid and aging yeah. adulthood? The second costume is the 60s costume. Yeah. Yeah. Did you notice that on you? Yeah, it was pretty uh, rad. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. And then we, we see some other ones. But one of the things I wanted to talk to you about a little bit, Jason, is while I've got you here, is... Next, yeah, I have to run. Yeah. How... <laughs> big schedule at almost 10 o'clock at night. How is Thor, MCU Thor, different from Thor in the comic? And where are they similar? What Where do those di those Venn diagrams overlap? And See, th that's a very interesting question um, because it kind of depends on which MCU period that you're talking about. Um, well, no, actually, I don't know if I want to say that. Chris Hemsworth in the first two Thor films and probably the first two Avenger films plays a Thor who is kind of, he starts off as very arrogant, which absolutely was the story arc of Thor. But then he becomes a little bit more humble, a little bit more mature. And I would say that that Ernest Hemsworth is is 
pretty close to the comic without the uh, Elizabethan English. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I actually think that beginning in Thor Ragnarok, we we get a a real shift in development, which I think within the framework of the films can be explained. Thor has now spent so much time with mortals that he's kind of begun to adopt, you know, some of our humor styles, right? The other thing I think too about this, and I, I've sort of just kind of thought about this in this moment. I wonder if you could interpret that early behavior as him compensating a bit, trying to be what people expect him to be. And that 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 goes into what you're saying, but he sort of, I don't have to be that, you know? Yeah, right. And, and I think that, uh, and credit goes to Hemsworth from, for selling this, because I, we don't get the comic relief for that Hemsworth does. In, in the classic comic, we we don't get that at all. Not not nothing even remotely like. It. Now, I would I would say that if that if that had been something they had done right at the beginning, it probably would not have worked. But actually, I think it's a credit to to Hemsworth and his performance, and, and to the the MCU, to the writers, everything that we that we've now brought Thor into this new this new element, this new era. And you're providing Max a, a very good explanation, a, a very good character arc explanation for it. That he's gone from and, and 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 Thor Ragnarok kind of sets this up very well because he's lived this role. There's this role that he has had, and because there are these things that he believed even even when he rebelled against it even when he pushed against his father's will and wanted to do something else and wanted to have different relationships um that that he that he still was that figure but he spent all this time with mortals developed his own personality in a similar way to how uh, chris evans captain america went through a very powerful almost complete character transformation in his time we're now kind of learning that and or noticing rather that maybe that's what chris hemsworth has done as well yeah <laughs> now i'm just listening okay okay um jason and i are pretty captivating it has to be said. yeah i'm I'm captivated by Jason's scholarly words. Well, Jason Jason has been a, a Thor champion for ages, and you 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 do have quite a collection, a Thor collection, if, if memory serves. I've got a lot. I um, that's probably the title that I collected the most when I was younger. I uh, except for GI Joe, but I mean, I I stuck with Thor for a while because Thor gave me it, uh, the weekly villain. You know the kind of serial yeah. aspect of the uh, of comics, but also the mythology universe that I loved outside of comics, and so I really settled into it. And I also like the fact that uh, Thor could kick the Hulk's ass, and it made me feel like that I had chosen well in terms of who uh, who I chose as my my hero. Yes, yes. I'm going to let that slide because this is a Thor podcast tonight. <laughs> Um, now I just want to I just want to say something to the audience here. Uh, I texted Jason because I I had the opportunity to buy Thor issue three thirty seven, and I texted Jason. I was like, you know, I've got an I've got an opportunity to get Thor issue three thirty seven, and I'm trying to figure out whether or not I should do it. And I told him what the price was, and and without even there was not a delay in the Jason didn't have to Google. He said that's a big issue. You should tell the audience what the significance of that issue is. It introduces one of Thor's great friends and, and a very new character in one of the most epic runs of Thor that has ever been done by Walt Simonson, but it introduces Beta Ray Bill, who we haven't seen in the MCU yet, except as a single statue on yep. Yep. And I have to imagine that as a Thor fan, Jason, back in, in, in that movie, Thor, Love and Thunder and Ragnarok, you, you must have seen Beta Ray Bill's face and been like, oh, that was for me. Yes, I guess. Yes, definitely. But Beta Ray Bill is... You guys may remember from the first film of Thor, where only the worthy can pick up the hammer, and Beta Ray Bill in issue 337 was one of the worthy, and he's able to pick up the hammer, and he bests Thor. Uh, moments uh, before, Odin is about to call Thor to Asgard, and instead of calling Thor, this was still in his Donald Blake changing days, I think, he calls instead Beta Ray Bill, and is a little shocked by, Odin is a little shocked by what's happened. So anyway, hugely important issue, uh, uh, Beta Ray Bill is a really Really wonderful character but but jason didn't have to google anything he you know i don't know when the last time he read issue 337 was but he knew exactly what it was well, and, now, now you just mentioned that that was the donald blake changing days that that arc that specific that was the end yes it was that's when it ended 
Anya, this is so good that you had me talk about this because in the course of that Beta Ray Bill situation where Beta Ray Bill needed a weapon to save his people and he had won fair and square Mjolnir and Thor, uh, Odin Odin uh, said, well, I can't let you have that. And Beta Ray Bill is suitably miffed about this situation. Well, I won it fair and square, he says. And Odin says, how about I make you something else? And what he makes, Jason, yeah. is that hammer. Oh, um... It's in the new films. Stormbreaker. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. it makes Stormbreaker. And so it's I, I think it's just interesting that the, the way the, the movies have figured out a way to bring these these classic elements into cool. the into the films. Anya, you were gonna say something? It's interesting. I feel like there's a possibility because the MC was kind of phasing out all of the original Avengers that Beta Ray Bill could also make an appearance in this film because he has Stormbreaker already and he and Lady Jane Foster Thor is here and she takes over a store in the comics for a long time it's like maybe there's going to be another guy too i don't know i mean it seems like a possibility because they already have the hammer out here yes jason so i have a question uh, a, a, a a possibility because i noticed that um lady jane thor is she 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 has mium mium. <laughs> yes, she does. She does have mium mium. So is she from another timeline? Well, no, because the mium mium Mjolnir in the um trailer is looks like pieces of the hammer that Hella disintegrated. Because you can see the light shining through all of the cracks in the hammer. Well, who's gonna put it back together then? A dwarf. A dwarf? Oh, the dwarf. Dr. Stephen Strange, Wong, Brother Voodoo. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, no, those are all good possibilities. Yeah, I don't know how they'll do that, but but it is the reconstituted, you know, super glue, maybe super glue. Duct tape? Duct tape. As, we, as we've learned in Mythbusters, you can do a lot with duct tape. Maybe, maybe it's love. Maybe, maybe it's put back maybe, together with love. Maybe it's, it's a romantic love. film. We know this. Love and thunder. Um, and so, so we don't know how that's going to happen yet. But there are there are there are people capable of creating, uh, maybe reforging the hammer that was broken. You know. Anyway, so I, I'm I'm very interested. I really enjoy the way the MCU is sort of bringing like some classic elements with its own flavor. I mean, on the on returning to Thor Ragnarok where we see Beta Ray Bill as one of the champions of the Sakaar arena there's also the Bi-Beast which was a, a Hulk villain who's on that on that uh, tower of champions I, I like that Chris Hemsworth's Thor is he's not a dumb guy but he's not he, I actually think he's kind of smart, but he's not quick. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like he has to take a moment. He, I mean, he'll get to the right answer, but I, I like that he has to sort of think through things. I feel very seen by the writers of Thor. <laughs> um, Maybe so, Thor has ADHD. It's, it's possible. It's possible. And then as, I'll say what? As guardian ADHD. It's worse than mortal ADHD. Yeah. So those are some things that happen. So, so let me get into some of this stuff. Anna, do you have any other observations about the, anything that, that sticks out to you? Anything? you want to cover i don't want to step on your toes here oh well you guys know that scene uh in the trailer where korg and thor are standing in front of the big behemoth god monster that's dead yes I know. So, you know exactly what i'm talking about i do know exactly what you're talking about but go ahead you remember i think the only thor that i've really read is the straczynski run siege and um a lot of the walt diamonds and stuff so i know that there's this debate hot debate going on on Twitter because that scene is copy and pasted from an Assad Ribic panel in um yes from one of the from I, I swear to you guys Jason Aaron's run it's Jason Aaron right mm -hmm. his god bomb run on Thor stands next to Walt Simonson's run on Thor it is one of the most amazing Thor runs that I've ever read and I and look 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 Jason got to Thor before I did I got to give him credit for seeing the brilliance even when they were speaking old old timey English, which didn't make any sense to me. It's never made any sense to me. <laughs> Stanley thought we'll have them talk old timey English. And Stanley has had some some big ideas. Yes, yes. And 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 to Stanley's credit and Jack Kirby's credit, they kind of hit on some of these ideas that later writers would really run with in a big way. But the God Bomb idea was like, oh gosh, it was something so new to me. Uh this idea, and we'll get into this a little bit in the course of this this episode. The God bomb idea is just really brilliant. And the 
would you say the artist's name again? Asad Ribic. His art is so good. He's amazing. It's it's stunning, and and so I, I can't I can't sing the praises of enough. But you were talking about this this this. I, I've seen a little of the Twitter rage and awe. Go ahead, take it so, away. So yeah, this this dude tweeted, "Hey Marvel, pay Asad Ribic because it's like directly copy and pasted from the comic book." And I don't. I mean, I'm kind of conflicted about this because Asad Ribic was paid as a for hire artist for Marvel, which means he was doing art for Marvel, which they now own, and he was doing art for Marvel for a character that they own. So he got paid for the work he did, and they own the work he did. Yeah, no, and and the other, yeah, I agree. I I'm kind of with you on this. And the other thing that's going to happen is he's going to get a nod in the uh, in the dedication and thanks in the credits. And it's certainly a part of fan service that they're doing. I mean, this is the the panel where Thor is looking at the the behemoth. I think that's the character's name. We don't ever really meet the character. He's dead before we meet him. In it the- says yeah. There's something about how Thor is like. I saw this god. He was like a champion in the great arenas of the universe for 500 years and it's it's a, it's a friend of, so in the in the in the trailer it looks like maybe he and Korg are looking at a monster but it's actually one of Thor's best friends yeah he was like I, well, I only saw him 100 years ago and I, I want to say something about this scene because Chris Hemsworth is so good that we forget that he's a really good actor sometimes because he's he's basically so sometimes when I'm watching him I think of movie stars like Burt Reynolds and Tom Selleck because he's being very very effortless with his comedy and his is kind of improvisational ribbing or riffing but Thor in that moment looking at his dead friend is Chris Hemsworth as a great actor conveying great emotion because I was just like wow this is just really he goes he navigates this 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 tonal thing very well I think from being you know kind of light comedy to real emotion and and, and it's all over Thor Ragnarok too uh, so I, I I just in this trailer alone because I kind of know what's going on I can kind of read into some of this but but yeah I'm with you, Anya. I sort of sorry to come back. I'll, I'll come back to this. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, I'm sort of there with you. I feel conflicted about it a little bit because, like, in the contract, it's like I mean, yeah. I feel like a way to fix the outrage would be to for like legally for contracts to be like if we use your art in a movie, you get this percentage of yeah. Ever, which isn't currently in the like for higher contracts. Do we like, know that what his contract was? No, but like that's like it's sort of the standard contract. It's the standard common contract. When you come and work for a character that they've created, you're basically you're like making art because they own it now. Like it's not yours anymore, so they they can make money off it without paying you because Because they've already paid you once. They bought it from you, uh, basically. And but I do feel like if you created a character like with the Steve Ditko estate and Jack Kirby stuff and Bob Kane and Bill Finger, yeah, like all of those controversies, I, I feel like that's different. And that well, it, the the industry's changed a lot in that regard, and we have to thank Image Comics, I think, a little bit for this because often people would go and they would create all these characters for one of the big companies. Well, there were only two big companies for a while, DC and, and Marvel, but they would create this character for the company, and then the company would own that character and they would never see any kind of royalties or or anything for it uh, uh, barely even get a mention for the creation of the character and now because of the image revolution i i think mostly because of the image revolution creators of characters even within big big uh publishing companies like marvel and dc now they get now they get more credit and they get a little more remuner- uh, remuneration for that i think is that the right word i think it is but i'll edit it out if i'm wrong but like royalties yeah, they get royalties for for the creation of the characters now, um, which is which is the right thing to do. Well, and that's why I asked because actually, it, to me, it would be really odd for there not to be an arrangement like that now. Because, yeah, um, I mean, for most of the 20th century, this was a problem in many different jobs and 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 uh, that involved creativity or or athletics. And like in Major League Baseball, players were kind of the property of the teams that 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 they played for. And it was really, Max, I think when we were young, there started to be some cracks in that. Well, well yeah, yeah. It happened, it happened in music. Yep. Writers owning their songs and, and being able to, to get royalties out of those, their image, you know, that kind of thing. So, but 
that's been a process through all these different um, art, sports, all of these things. It would surprise me there wasn't something in the contract. Well, here's why things happened, and it's it's I'm gonna I'm gonna call it this, and it's probably not a real thing. And I I think there's this source material revolution that happened with Lord of the Rings and some other adaptations that really looked at the source material, not just for titles and names to put on films that don't really adequately represent the source material. But so I think right now we're seeing this thing where you've got directors and and kind of art art directors looking at the source material. You know, they got a big stack of comics that they're looking at. They're like, this image needs to be in our movie. But right now, they're, I, I think this is sort of a new thing because folks, I don't know if some of the audience may be too young to remember this or too smart to have seen it, but the 1980s Punisher film with Dolph Lundgren bore almost no resemblance to the comic, except that there were some names from the comic that made it into this film, this trash that if I'm being honest, I kind of like, but it's it's not a good, it's not a good adaptation. But now you have these really sharp directors who see the potential for this, these images from the comics. And it's been all over the comics. There have been plenty of scenes in movies where I'm like, oh, that's straight from a comic. And I can't think of anything directly right now other than the scene that, that Anya's uh, highlighted that it's, it's sort of become a Twitter outrage point. Because I, I actually saw this today where people were, I, I saw some people retweeting somebody who was like, hey, you know, Rivik, uh, some royalties. But this was sort of the case with uh, Man of Steel uh, a few years ago, which was almost all Mark Wade's one of Art Mark Wade's uh, graphic novel stories of of Superman. You know, you could have almost done. It's not quite one to one, but it's really close. This also happened with the Hawkeye show. I feel really bad because I can't remember the name of the artist, but the the Matt Fraction run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Art direction in that is like again almost copy and pasted into the the Hawkeye like what is it the, the theme the what is it in the like the middle of the episode where it's like starring this and like oh the credits yeah, yeah i guess it's the credits yeah but the credits montage and animation is exactly the same like color and art direction yeah. as the the fraction run and there was some outrage about that and i i do think that in the comic book industry artists are often not treated great yeah. um so while like i am kind of like conflicted about this Assad ribic thing and the hawkeye thing i think that it's just something that needs to be changed for like the future well i i think i think so and i think that this is sort of a learning process i think you're absolutely right and like i said what i think is happening is like people think Think, this is going to be great fan service comic book fans instead of just stealing something from them we're i mean they're catering to us oh hold on. do we know that they're stealing like do we know because oh. i mean this, there was this tweet do we know that he's not getting paid well, it's not stealing because they they own. No, 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 no. I I know that, but but I think the point that that y'all are making is that there should be some royalties. There should be so. I, I see what you're saying. I mean, if that's happening, then I don't think, and um, then I don't think that it's bad because it 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 keeps that person's legacy going. Yep. They also might get royalties or a second payday so it's really a win-win and and they get to go see the movie and enjoy the movie so 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 no i so so that that we don't know we don't know if isad ribic we don't know that he didn't get like some payday and and we don't know how the how the industry is changing right now because this is not the first time this has happened so i wonder if there's not some well but, but okay right but i would be really surprised sir i would seriously be very surprised if in 2022 that that has happened. I just feel like that all the different industry, creative industries. Well, there's no guarantee. Well, there's no guarantee that he hasn't even been brought on board as a advisor because that has happened with other films. I mean, Walt Simonson was a script advisor for Thor. Yes, I am. <laughs> Okay, doing some research on the fly. Like, here's what Assad Rick is getting. Okay. He will get a special thank at the end of the credits after all of the film's designers, effects, creators, best boys, grips, makeup assistants, and... Which uh, is like 7 million people probably these days. And he will be paid an optional $5,000, which can be used to attend the premiere of the movie to which he'll, he will be invited. Mm. And that's it. That's a little above a McDonald's gift card. <laughs> Point taken. Point taken. <laughs> 
Yeah. So I'm happy that he stepped in and said that because I, I, I suspected that, that they're trying. Marvel has tried to do better by its artists. I mean, it's not perfect, but they have. I, I, so is DC. So is everybody. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. We're going to pause audience because one of the co-hosts of the show is a alcoholic. Beautiful. That's me. <laughs> are you drinking alcohol or are you drinking water? What are you drinking? What is that? Is that wine? This is wine. <laughs> this is wine. for that, I guess. Anya is actually not too young for that. She's what? I know oh, that. I know that. I'm 23. 23. Where? I I remember when you were one. I don't. That's crazy. As do I remember yeah. when she was like point uh, two. We left off with the controversies of Marvel. Asad Ribic. <laughs> Did I say it right? Asad. Yes. Ribic. Okay, I think I was close. I was close. I think you did. I think you did say it right. I nailed it. I think I nailed it. Um, of course. I don't know him personally, so we could all be saying it really wrong. It's odd. We're trying. <laughs> well, okay. Well, on this show, we just say it the way we think it is. Yep. Like we know it, and then we move on, and everyone thinks that that's the way to pronounce it. That's right. That's right. No, that's the rule. Max keeps correcting me. <laughs> Or, or asking these questions and doesn't follow advice. With with human names, uh, I, I do want to I do want to make a good faith effort to try and get them right. But but with alien names, fuck it. So that brings us back to the story. The, the bulk of this story is going to be uh, the Thor Love and Thunder is going to be a lot of I think the Jane Foster Thor story and the the God Butcher story, which was Jason Aaron's uh, baby, and that is where Christian Bale comes in as Gore the God Butcher, and he is a guy who feels that he's been betrayed by the gods of his land, and he gets a weapon, a great weapon, and he takes this sword and starts killing the gods of all the worlds because he thinks that they've all let everybody down. And this is kind of a neat and sophisticated idea, I think, put into this movie about Thor's personal journey and the love story. I mean, the movie's got a lot to do, it seems like, but I'm really happy to see that they're drawing on this Jason Aaron story because I have to say it was one of the most amazing runs and it it, it, it only sort of the legacy of that run only sort of just recently ended with the the coming of I think this character named Null I could be wrong about that but he's basically the, the, the weapon that Gore carries is was forged by the gods actually this is kind of funny the gods of the symbiotes the Venom symbiotes yes interesting so the, the sword is is a so it's kind of funny that Gore wants to destroy the gods, but he's using a weapon made by a god, mm-hmm. one of the gods of the symbiotes. So, so there's, there's there's kind of a neat, I guess, kind of an irony there. But but I'm really we haven't seen this character yet, Gore, in the trailers, and I, I'm anxious to see Christian Bale in a film. I loved him in the Batman films, and I'm I'm a little surprised to see him in a comic book movie. But here we have him. So th- so that's the basic story. You guys haven't read the story, have you? I have. No. But I really want to. Uh, there's an audience and co-hosts. There's a omnibus, Marvel omnibus. Marvel releases these giant tomes full of epic runs uh, of, of great creators and great artists. And comes out in a few days, actually, the Jason Aaron run. And I'm going to suggest, I've sent the links to my co-hosts, by the way. And I, I'll, I'll probably end up buying them for my co-hosts because I'm annoyed that they don't have them. But I would just like to say that every Christmas I receive like five omnibuses from my dad. And it's like 10 pounds of comic books. I'm expected to read them all. Well, I mean, I don't, ex- I hope that you read them. Full time job. No, I mean, I really appreciate it, but it's like, I, I pick up this heavy. It is intimidating because, you know, you Anya goes home with like a ballast's worth of, of omnibuses. And, and so, anyway. My house is sort of lopsided because of all the omnibuses. If you could, if you could see the recording right now, there's like fifteen <laughs> omnibuses in the background of my dad's square. So don't judge, audience. Just love me. It's having money. I, I apparently I do. Um, and so, so I, I recommend that everybody read the Jason Aaron God Bomb run. And but that's not the only thing that's happening here. Um, it, Marvel. These films are really great at pulling other things from um, the Marvel universe and we know and, and i knew just because of the lightning bolt but but because i just read the cast list to you we know that we're going to finally meet the marvel greek gods and 
I'm so happy about this because I've been wanting to see them in the MCU for a while. And Jason, again, we have we have a wonderful reference here, a, a wonderful resource of, of knowledge, of the deep knowledge of the world. Jason was an Avengers fan back when we were reading, when we were young kids. And you were also kind of a, you, he wasn't as big a Hercules fan as he was a Thor fan, but you, you didn't, you didn't mind Hercules. You liked Hercules quite a lot, I think. Hercules started in Thor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope I've got this right because I have the issue, but I believe that it was Thor annual number one yep. was Hercules' first appearance. Um, it's not an exciting issue. Basically, it's Thor versus Hercules. And the whole point of the issue is that neither one of them can beat each other because they're both equal. And of course, as a Thor fan, I thought, well, yes, except that Thor has um, Yum Yum. That kind of that kind of uh, should make a difference. Yeah, yum yum, yum yum is pretty important. Yeah, so so that felt kind of dated to me, but it was I, I, it was Hercules' first appearance. Hercules made fairly frequent appearances in Thor. You know, kind of um, well, you know, on into the seventies. I also know Hercules from the Champions. Yes, I'm really proud that I got to mention that because most people don't know about the Champions. I think you and I are the only only two two uh, living champions. Owned, I owned I owned a couple issues. I did too. I did too. I have the Marvel Masterworks. The complete. Okay. Oh, then you got all of it. All right. My self esteem just went down a little bit, but um, um, but and then Hercules was also very big in the Avengers in the like mid mid to late eighties. So and no, not the West Coast Avengers. In the West Coast Avengers, was he? He got with the Black Widow in Champions. Oh, he he did. Yeah. Well, damn. I guess I'm wrong. No, but you do know about the Champions. You're smarter than you about the Champions than you think. Yes, you're smarter than most people in the world because you know about the Champions. Now, just an aside, audience. It doesn't have anything to do with the 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 movies we're talking about today. But one of my favorite lines Hercules ever uttered was in a was in an issue of the Hulk where. somebody had sort of controlled Hulk's mind and made Hulk kind of an ally with the juggernaut and he was fighting the Avengers and Hulk's throwing all kinds of trees and, and boulders at, at the Avengers and Hercules says, will thou keep throwing shrubbery at me or will thou fight? And, and, and I thought that's the most Hercules thing ever, except of course, Hercules was ancient Greek and probably never heard the word thou uh, in, 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 but in Marvel, they couldn't be bothered with uh, Greek, but we're not going to probably see Hercules in the main body of this film. I sus- I I have a sneaking suspicion that we might see him in an after scene. I could be wrong about that, but what do you guys think of Russell Crowe as, as Zeus? I feel like he's somehow played Zeus before. <laughs> I don't know. He played. Um, uh, he played Zeus, uh, although it was pronounced Jor-El. <laughs> That might be the problem that actually it's a little, it might be a little too obvious. Well, since you and I are the only ones who watch Man of Steel regularly, nobody's going to notice this problem. Well, uh, I think they'll know, hey, that's that's Russell Crowe. What they're going to say is, that's Maximus. And that'll infuriate <laughs> me when His they- His name is Gladiator. <laughs> yeah, I fucking hate that movie. Don't at me, audience. I don't care. Gladiator sucks. And, and someday we'll review it and we'll- We'll convince you all of that fact. We will convince you all that Gladiator is not the movie that you think it is. I'm 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 kind of jazzed by it. I kind of like that. I think you're right, Ani. He, Russell Crowe is has sort of been Zeus before, and I like that. So what I what I'm suspecting is that Thor is going to go to Olympus to warn the Olympians. I think Olympus uh, Olympus looks amazing in the film. I think that's where we're we're there. It it's kind of a, it's a brief yeah brief little moment. I mean, all of the effect shots in the film are sort of in, in this trailer are kind of amazing, and so I'm happy to finally see the 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 Greek gods in the film. Were there any other major Greek gods in the Marvel universe other than Hercules? Not that he was a god, but um, you know that they all made appearances. I do remember that, but not not a lot in the issues that I had. Gotcha. That the Amadeus show. Hercules run. Hera is the main villain. Athena is okay. in it a lot. Yeah. 
some of the Greek villains are in it, like yes. the Gorgons, and that run was awesome. That was like, Greg Pak. Greg Pak. Oh, it was yeah, Greg Pak, my hero. Yeah, uh, Greg Pak went from success to success. One of my favorite lines, and Jason, I think you'll appreciate this from the Greg Pak run on Hercules. Um, Hera, not Hera, Athena starts trying to talk to Hercules's buddy Amadeus Cho, and Hercules says to his friend, "Run from my sister. Don't. She's got her eyes." on you and that means misery run like <laughs> run from us and Amadeus Joe of course won't because he, he's great friends with um, Hercules another great moment from that run Greg Pak I uh, thank you so much for, for giving me this run there's this moment where a villain has Hercules and Amadeus Cho in separate cells in the dungeon and he gives them a kind of a classic moral problem he says look if one of you doesn't press the button in your cell which will kill you the other one dies and and he's like, so one of you has to watch the other die. And without missing a beat, both Hercules and Amadeus Cho hit the button in their cell. And the cell opens and the villain, I can't remember who the villain is, just says, heroes. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're both freed in that moment because they both instantly were like, well, I'm not going to, I'm going to be the one who dies and, and I'll let my, I'll, I'll see that my friend leaves. <laughs> And so I, I, I don't think we're going to get Hercules in this, but I'm, I'm excited about this because I, I wanted to see the, the, the Marvel interpretation of the Greek gods, which will, I'm sad to say, almost surely be infinitely better than the Greek gods we've seen in the DCU. Well, obviously. Well, obviously. <laughs> Because because currently the the, the the depiction of the Greek gods in the DC EU uh, is maybe a, just a touch below Clash of the Titans. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Which I like. Which I like Clash of the, the original. Well, yeah, it's it's a touch below the remakes of the Clash of the Titans. <laughs> Sorry, I I, I I like Gail Gadot's Wonder Woman, but I don't like much else about the their interpretation of, of that character. So, so that's the that's the those are the things. What do you guys want to see? What do you guys want to? What do you hope you see in the Thor Love and Thunder and Blood and Death? Well, I don't want Korg to die. I don't want Thor to die. Nope. Great. That if Thor is if this is Thor's end, I want him to just go ride his crazy goats into the sunset. Yeah, just just and we are and we are getting the goats. We are getting the goats. Go have fun. Yep. Go do your thing. Now I I I've I I, I watched a, uh, every Easter egg YouTube video on on this film by the folks at Screen Crush, and I think that that guy does a good job. But he suspects that the film is sort of going to be like Office Space rammed into these other story arcs, and because Thor does seem to be walking away from being a hero. And uh, did you guys get that sense? Well, that's what he says. Yeah, that's right. These so, hands. Because my, I think my superheroing days are over. Yeah. I'm, I'm down for this journey. I like one of the things that I we've talked about how Chris Hemsworth has sort of made Thor his own kind of character. But I, I sort of think that it even so it's even though it's a different interpretation, it captures very much the goodness of the MCU Thor and very much the kind of plotting nature of Norse mythology Thor and created this really kind of nice character that that I just really like and I want good things for, you know, so I, I, I like I like what Chris Hemsworth worth has done with them with these films and, and and the arc he's taken the character on so i like i like the idea that he's he's on a journey and i'm i'm, I'm down for that jason you got something to say yeah well i mean you mentioned hemsworth and, and hemsworth is up to the task yes to be pointed out but actually the 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 character arc and the change in the character that you're talking about does have to go to to watiti and as a director and a writer yes I think that's the thing that I'm most interested to see because I'm I'm really interested in how this plays out in terms of comedy and and drama and character development because I'm kind of in awe of Thor Ragnarok. Um, it's a film that I loved when I saw it uh, in terms in terms of its plot, its drama, and its action. the The comedy in the film was very awkward to me in the theater. Then I watched it again. And then I watched it again and it gets better every time. And it's almost like it's so brilliantly done that the fact that the comedy seemed awkward to me the first time I saw it says more about me than about the film. Because actually, every time I watch it, I become more in awe of the ability. Um, because, Max, some of the films that you and I have reviewed, we've talked about um, 
you know, films that, that, that have a problem with balancing comedy and action and how it's very difficult to do. And there are some films, there are some directors that can do it and some that, that, that fail very badly at it. Watiti has kind of entered a new frontier because Thor Ragnarok at times can be very, very dark. Very, very, very dark. And then be almost verge on slapstick. And I think that I wasn't ready for that. And so I was a little, uh, not turned off, but it was, it, 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 it rang a little awkward on my ear the first time. Every time I watch it now, I'm, I'm more and more kind of in awe that um, he, he's, Watiti has kind of cracked the code on, on the tonality problem. In terms of how to take a film and 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 make it alter, alternately dark and dramatic, as well as in terms of comedy, do whatever you want. Don't you know? Just and he he's able to do that in 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 that film. I'm expecting more of this, or I would like to see more of the same. I guess that's to answer your question, yeah, because. Yeah, I, I, I hear what you all are saying about in terms of plot, in terms of don't want to see Thor to die, all that kind of stuff. And I agree with that. You know, there's all that kind of fan stuff that I want to see. But I'm also I'm I'm really curious about about him continuing that trend of showing us movie lovers how to mix tonalities in a way that is very difficult to do. And I really admire that. And I'd like to see how he does it here. Well, I, there's a name that's been bouncing around as you've uh, uh, spoke here. Taika Waititi strikes me. And I didn't think about this until I was listening to you talk about Thor Ragnarok. Taika Waititi strikes me in many ways as a kind of continuation of the legacy of a Richard Donner and a Steven Spielberg. Uh, directors who manage to navigate that tonality problem really well. And Taika Waititi is sort of brilliant. Edit. But I think that he has he has um, he's he's turned it up a little bit. He's advanced the form. I agree. Um, and, and, and well, and let, let me give you an example. The scene, the scene where Hela just basically destroys Asgard. Yep. I believe I believe begins with almost comic relief. Yes. And and in the theater, it didn't feel right. But every time I've watched it since, it has worked better and better and better and better each time. And I'm tempted to say that he has... He has mined something new. Is is my suggestion? I, I no, I think he's brilliant. I, I agree. Um, there's, I have not seen anything by Taika Waititi that I've been like meh about. I have not seen anything by him that that I I'm lukewarm about. I'm always yes. this guy is great. Um, Anya, any 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 observations that you want to add to here? No, I mean I, I just agree with Jason, and I'm just excited to see this movie, see where it goes. All right. Final, well, maybe final question. If I'm right, if I am right, and there is a Hercules post-credits scene. Who should play him? Jason knows my mind. I finally sent a telepathic message. <laughs> um, do you guys have a, a good suggestion? Oh, Lundgren. Well, what you know what did you just say? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know who would be really good, but they can't, they won't be able to get to play him? Henry no. Cavill. Who? Henry Cavill. Oh, well, he would be great. Oh, he my would be God. amazing. But, you know, he's Superman. He's he's the Witcher. He's, I mean, he, he's probably going to be James Bond, it looks he's like. He's taken. He's taken. But he also, I feel like, has really good comedic timing. He um, does. He's, he's underrated. Now, there's there's no guarantee that he's going to be back in Superman's uh, leotards. Um, but I just, I can't see him as a Marvel character because he played Superman. He did a good job, too. But you know who also played a DC character and who is in this film? Well, there are two DC actors in this film. Well, there's Russell Crowe. Who's the other guy? Oh, there's Christian Bale. Christian Bale is probably going to be all CGI'd. And that was like over 10 years ago. So like, we're cool. <laughs> okay, Christian Bale, we're cool. I hope, you, I hope you take that into account. And we'd love to have you as a guest on the show. If it was 10 years ago, the actor I've always thought would have made a great Hercules was Eric Bonner. Oh. 
He had yeah. the, you know, like think of him in Troy. Don't think of anything else from that. That, that was almost tw- that was almost twenty years ago. Just to let you know. Good point. Good point. So, but but he 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 looks like he looks a lot like like Hercules. I think in in that film. I don't think we could get Lou Frigno back in shape to play Hercules. Eighty year old Hercules. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's I mean he's probably in great shape for an eighty year old guy. I actually just saw him run uh, a uh, tactical shooting course at the Terran uh, tactical range. Those are the people who trained Keanu Reeves, and he did great at, at, at his advanced age, and he looks great. But yeah, I don't think we're going to get him back in the in the uh, loincloth. You know, though he looked, he really did look the part in this movie. Audience, I don't want you to hate me, but I want you guys to all go out, find the 1980s Lou Ferrigno Hercules movie. It's not a good movie, but it is something that must, that must be witnessed with a lot of whiskey. Profoundly terrible. It is profoundly terrible. It was on Cinemax or something. When I was young, and I did watch it. Yep, my uh, I, I went to see it in the movie theater with my mom. The only thing I remember about it is Hercules' father getting killed by a bear, and then Max. It's everything I wanted Aquaman to be, and Aquaman was not that. Oh my God, Jason just really threw down the gauntlet. And he just said that the Lou Ferrigno Hercules movie was better than Aquaman. I think that's where we have to stop, audience. Uh, are you watching anything right now that, that is tickling your fancy, Jason? Anything that you think the audience should watch? You know, I, I, I just watched the pilot episode of Severance. Okay. I've heard good things. Fantastic. I've only seen the first episode. Totally, totally compelling. And with... with Wonderful, wonderful music, acting, and, and and definitely has kind of that hook that'll bring you in. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it, it, kind of dystopic, which is very much my taste. That is your wheelhouse. Checking out more of it. Anya, what are you watching? What do you what do you think people should look at or read? Whatever it is, you guys. Well, uh, I'm watching Moon Knight, which I'm probably going to watch right after this, but... Did you stick oh. your finger in an electric socket? No. Oh, like, you look great. Don't worry about it. Thanks, Jason. <laughs> so Moon Knight, Moon Knight, you think everybody should watch Moon Knight? Yes, let me, so I'm watching Moon Knight. I'm really, I'm, I'm digging it. It's fun. But my big problem is the special effects I feel like are really undercooked. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm just like, I'm just, it's making me annoyed that Marvel has gone to CGI as the first resort instead of as supplementing um, practical effects because like I don't think the suit is real I'm sure a lot of the sets aren't real and some of the monsters are just really animate and I'm just like you have so much money just do Christopher Nolan it do the original like Lord of the Rings just like do practical effects and then supplement it with CGI where you need to because I just think that it always in the end will look better. Audience I want to just point out that my daughter used the words practical effects several times and uh, denoted a, an appreciation for practical effects and I just want to kind of talk about my parenting for a moment and and how great it is and was so anyway, if you need your kids raised, send them to me. So what I want to recommend is sort of off what you guys have recommended, not quite in, in, in the same vein. I've been captivated by a YouTube channel called Popcorn in Bed. And it is this, this woman who purports to watch movies and react to them because she's lived sort of a sheltered Canadian life in Alberta uh, and hasn't watched a lot of the movies that, that say a lot of us have grew up on and whether or not this is true i don't know but she does a great job of reacting as if it's the first time she's seen these movies and it sort of reminds me of the first time i saw the movies and it is i've always enjoyed watching somebody react to a film in the way uh, i've always enjoyed seeing people react to a film for the first time in the way that i sort of reacted to a film popcorn in bed is sort of a fun fun channel i sort of i, I guess it's sort of unscripted uh reality it's kind of fun. Watching somebody react to Indiana Jones for the first time is a lot of fun or Star Wars. Uh, and so uh, audience, I, I would I would recommend Popcorn in Bed if you're just like kind of looking for something to kill like a half hour uh, on uh, that's, that's sort of charming and 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 fun. And so that, that's my recommendation. So we'll, we will return to our regularly scheduled programming. So that means next week, actually, we're going to juggle the schedule a little bit because we have not recorded 
our episode on last night in Soho. So I'll probably next week, I'll probably post uh, Anya and I's secret episode on the 90s X-Men cartoon. And then then we will release our last night in Soho. And then we will begin a new series of films for the whole family, um, I believe. Anyway, guys, Jason, any last words? I don't think so. I think that uh, I've enlightened you all enough for one night. You have. Thank you, you have. Jason. We are all suitably edified. Anya, where can people find you? I'm on Instagram at ons underscore solo, on Twitter at Anya Driffle, and you can find my ArtStation portfolio if you just go on ArtStation and Google my name. Anya Driffle. Okay. That's me. That's you. And what's the name of our Insta- the show's Instagram? Oh, the show's Instagram is Max and Jason Watch a Movie, where I'll post a supplemental post with every episode on Thursdays or Tuesdays, and you can hear what the episode's about, you can respond, you can see some stills from the movie. Uh, folks, Anya has been uh, a true champion of social media for the show, and uh, I just want to thank her publicly. I'll probably cut this out. I'm drunk right now. so. Um, but no, Anya, thanks so much for all the stuff you do on social media. Lord knows Jason doesn't help us at all on social media. He's, he's living in a cabin. He's never even, he doesn't even know what social media is. Folks, we'll see you next week. Uh, you can reach me at The Separatist on Twitter, where I say things that don't matter. And you can also reach out to me occasionally, if you ever decide to, at lordmovies39 at gmail.com. And, oh, oh, oh so, so, hold on, hold on, hold on, guys. I had an audience listener, sort of listener, shitty listener of the podcast, that did want to talk to me, because I revealed to this listener, about Jason's moral quandary about the end of Avengers Endgame. And she found every Everything that Jason objected to about Cap's choice to be wrong. And I'm going to challenge Jason in the future on this problem. Okay, audience. We will see you next week at the same Max and Jason and increasingly often Anya time next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Then uh, uh, apparently I'm being challenged. You are being challenged by a- By who?